Talking like. over the title with the music. Oh, we nope. do that every week. <laughs> we do do that every week. But you know, we got a brand new thing here. I don't know if people are going to come in. Ah, oh, boom. There's three people. Hey. Uh, so there's two. Right on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is uh, Jeremy with Brightwell Aquatics. Uh, he flew in for our meat raffle yesterday, and I figured maybe he'd do, uh, like, uh, share some knowledge on reefing while he's here. Uh, for real, it was a meat raffle. And experiences on your meat raffle, first one ever. That was pretty cool. Oh, so. uh, in case you don't know, here in Minnesota, we gamble on substance. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually uh, give. We had sixteen hundred bucks of meat that uh, we gave away. Uh, Jeremy was uh, kind enough to uh, float the boat on half of it. Sixteen oh, hundred bucks of uh, meat. That's insane. Yeah, everybody left with two things. Yeah, you know, like, I got uh, some pork tenderloins and like a. I had lobster tails, but it, I don't I don't cook them, so I traded them off for some like half a ham or something. Mm, yeah, so I mean it sounds super weird, but half the staff left uh, with uh, meat, and uh, they got to go home, see their spouse, and say I know how to provide for my family. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, and then we went out and uh, what did we do? We pulled some pull tabs and uh, drink hey. beer, talk reefing all night. Truly so, Minnesotan. Thought uh, out of nowhere. 50 bucks. Yes, <laughs> yes. I lost like uh, my mortgage payment, but you won your 50 bucks. Right, I yeah. was committed. I, don't, I, I haven't told my wife yet what I lost, so Oops. don't tell her. Hopefully she's not watching. Uh, yeah, so what we thought we'd talk about is today is uh, like a little bit about plumbing of all things. Yeah, um, I was interested in that. Because so, I asked you while you were out of the room, like, what are we talking about? And Jeremy goes, we're going to talk about plumbing. So, mm -hmm. But he said he wants to plumb your tank at home. I know. Yeah, so that's what he said. I asked him uh, if he wants to uh, help uh, at all uh, on the tank in my house. He's like, yeah, I love plumbing, man. So thought uh, maybe we'd do some plumbing, man. So what is it about plumbing that gets you all excited? It was uh, my first job out of a fish store in the early 90s. I worked for a company called uh, California Aquarium Supply, and I built hundreds of Petco's and PetSmart's across this country. So, hundreds? Hundreds. Yeah, I've laid miles of pipe. Where not, man? <laughs> Alright. I, I building a tank and plumbing is probably one of my favorites too. I, like I, I hate it. Hate it. I don't want well, to Yeah, you are kinda of I like don't cut I don't cut straight. I glue terribly. Everything's all cattywampus and pulled the ones. I just don't want, I don't kitty, want to do it. Cattywampus, cattywampus. I don't know. That's you guys actually uh, had a thing where you were talking about do you prime the plumbing parts before you glue them? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I had an opinion. Sure, you sure, different right. than yours. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't prime anything because most of the glues have primer already in them. So as long as they're not caked with like dirt or grit, you're pretty... So what's the deal? I mean, the reason, for those who don't know, that a lot of primer is purple is so the inspector can come through the house and see that you actually did prime it and did it to code. So like, why is it for code that you need to prime, but like for aquarium, no? Uh, in case you didn't clean the grit and the dirt off, that it's going to leak eventually, you know? Yeah. So is could. it... Totally unnecessary or just better? Totally unnecessary. Wow. For, okay. uh, for any primer? For any okay, primer. Okay, well, so I've heard this di I've heard this <laughs> discussion. I've heard this discussion on like the, the reef forums and the Aspires TV and stuff, and people are like, there's just not enough pressure in these aquarium systems where True. you need the adhesive like chemical bonding of the two PVC joints. Like glue is just enough. Well, if you use enough, I mean you have a good inch and a quarter or an inch and a half of like glue joint, yeah. if you can't get a seal on that, then you've really done something wrong. Okay, man. So, I do it the whole thing, and this is why. So, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, at one point in time, I put, like, a frag system in my basement, and it was uh, four feet by eight feet by, like, ten inches tall, right? I had two of them plumbed into the same sump, yeah. and uh, 
I mean, there's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars in plumbing into this thing. Plumbed already, I'm super excited, and then there's like five leaks, man. And like I didn't use anywhere near enough union, so I'm like cutting it all apart. And I did it like three times, man. There was leaks every damn time. Yeah. And at the end, man, I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I'm not actually a plumber, so at the point, I didn't really know the difference. So I went in and uh, researched, and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to sand the edges so that like when you shove the piece of pipe in there, it doesn't like create a little channel, mm -hmm. you know? And you're supposed to use the primers, like not optional, and blah 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 blah. And like, at that point, man, I had spent like three times as much time and money on my plumbing project. I like, I'm gonna do it way I'm told. And since then, I've never had a leak. So I just, uh, I just do it the way that uh, the back of the back of the can says, man. Do uh. it this way. I assume somebody knows better than me. Yeah. But you know better than the can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, yeah. There's plenty of petco well, out there still running. So I, I will, I will put so much glue on it, on each fitting like the male and the female uh -huh. yep. and then when you put them together you actually twist them uh -huh. so you, you feel it and yeah. then once it gets to the end of the socket you're like okay I'm done yeah you just hold it there because it's also tapered so it'll if you don't hold it in there it'll force it'll it out well so what I was reading from well done is actually when you put it's not just a tapered fact it's the fact that when you put that glue on there it starts dissolving mm -hmm. and it swells mm -hmm. so it's smooshing it right out so if you don't hold it in man it, you're gonna lose your measurement that yeah makes sense. All right, that's a if there's one thing about the hobby that I didn't know before I got in the hobby was uh, it turned me into like a plumber you know, in mm -hmm. some cases. I can do plumbing jobs uh, around the house. Like, you want me to like plumb a toilet maybe, or work on one, or like fix a, a leaky pipe underneath the sink? I gotcha, I know how to do that. You know, the guy, uh, Jason, over, uh, he's the owner of Vertex, he saw that plumbing video, the first one I did, right? Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, dude, why are you doing a thing on plumbing, you know, gluing PVC, dude, it's so easy. I'm like, dude, I've never done it before, man. Like, <laughs> I had two pieces of PVC and some glue, man. Like, I had to go actually research how to do this proper because it's not, I mean, afterwards it's obvious, but beforehand, like, I've never had to plumb a thing in my whole life. You know, like, uh, at what point in my life prior to this have you ever used PVC to plumb anything? I've watched my grandpa do it because that's what he does for a living, uh, like with backhoes and septic systems, but I didn't know what he was doing for real. So I was just like, ah, slap some of this on there and go. My grandpa was a farmer, so I didn't get that. You know? <laughs> that's a big point too, right? So if you're out in the elements, yeah, like uh, you dug a big trench and you've laid a bunch of uh, your material out there yeah. that's like exposed, you can get grit and stuff on there. So you would use primer doing, in that case then? Yeah. <laughs> and also the the point that uh, you made about the pressure, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's no pressure on any of the drains that we do and even our returns are not under pressure. They're, mm. you know, 4 PSI probably. Much less than that probably, I think, maybe. Probably. So then schedule 80 uh, is just for aesthetic purposes only? Just. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it that's looks the way good. it's built for like what a eighty PSI <laughs> yeah, or something like, right. like yeah. huge it, application. It looks super cool. Yeah, it looks awesome, especially when you put the colored PV uh, the colored PVC on it. Blue yeah. and gray, my favorite. Ah, a green and gray was mine. Really? Yeah, because oh. I I had a, also had a, the emerald uh, trigger system sump, which was green, and I just wanted everything to match. Really nice. Who was the guy that made the blue and gray skimmer? Blue and gray skimmer. There was a guy out, out of Europe that made a blue and gray protein skimmer and related equipment. I can't remember. Like a downdraft skimmer? I bet you somebody in the comments will know. Yeah, if you know uh, who made a blue and gray skimmer, comment in here. Yeah, it was like, it was 
not Deltec, but in that same kind of crew. Hmm. Uh, you're, now you're up. Well, anyway. anyway, all right, so we're going to keep talking. You got questions up here, we'll answer them. Uh, all right. Uh, and uh, I, I might just start with the questions as much as possible, but yeah, I got a sure. bunch of things in my head as well. So how do you not cut straight without a pipe cutter? I agree. You get the hacksaw out, and no matter what, it always kind of drifts off to the side. Yeah, so how do you do it? So they have these really cool hand tools uh -huh. that uh, it's like a like bone cutter. Like battery operated? Yeah. No, with your hands, and it's oh, like okay. a lever activated, oh, and that'll yeah. cut it straight. But the best thing, especially if you're going to be using it often doing a lot of cuts. It's like a chop saw. It has like a... There you go. Uh, no, it's not, it doesn't have teeth on it, but it's like a... A really fine tooth type. Right. Yeah, almost like diamond grit bit on yeah. the edge of it. Because I've always used my, like, oh, I'm cutting two by fours, and then tomorrow I'm cutting PVC. And you get these nasty serrated edges. Some of it chip off and break off. Yeah. And then you mess up your, you know, your wood saw blade, too. But So, yeah, we actually do that here. So we have a chop saw, like a chop box, mm -hmm. you know, saw. And what we do is we put a plastic blade on it. So if you use a wood blade uh, on it, tear expect it the thing to tear it up and then shoot it in your face. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, it will catch uh, on the plastic uh, and right. shoot well, out, well, and uh, it's not fun. I've used the plastic blade. The the bevel of the teeth is just like a little bit different, and it just goes right through it. Mm. Uh, it's a very, very subtle difference, yeah. but it goes right through it. Uh, another thing we use is uh, the little $5 chop or like a chop block like a little plastic thing that you can use your hacksaw in. Yeah, it oh. has angles right? already in there. It has two little slits in it, mm -hmm. so it keeps the blade straight and you right. go right through. So like five bucks. This is probably what most of you will use uh, because it's five bucks. You're not going to go buy a chop saw for this. A hacksaw is super cheap too and get a yep. new blade for it. You're in this thing for like less than 20. They have the little spinnies too. Uh, has a little blade on it that you can screw it Tighten in. Tighten it down and then just, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those, uh, well, for like most of your viewers, probably that thing, they sell it at Home Depot, they're red, they're cutters, and it will give you a straight cut every single time. Hmm. The only thing I've noticed about the cutters like that is it leaves that little lip on the edge, right? Uh, and so important to, in my mind to sand that off. You, you're laughing, like. Lots you of glue, just lots of glue. Just more glue. Sloppy, and then once it's, you know, <laughs> as you put it in there, you're, you know, you have a towel or something that you, over the glue, and then, Nice little clean weld on the outside. So he wants to plumb your tank at home. I don't know, no plumber, I, I'll, I'll I guess. Throw, I'll yeah. throw out a challenge right now. Oh! I will I will glue every single joint and you won't have one leak. No sandpaper. <laughs> no sandpaper. No, no uh, uh, primer. Wow. Oh my god, I don't know if I can let you do that. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're ADD and freaking me out right now. I'm uh, just thinking, thinking about well, the leaks and stuff. Or the gambling in you have a force idea, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. All right, well, uh, maybe I'll take you up on that. I just can't really. I, I'm making me uncomfortable just thinking about it. But all right, well, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe we can do that, take the challenge. Uh, what's the next one here? I read that primer can weaken your connections. I've read that same thing, too, hmm. and I haven't read it from any of the glue people. And a handful of plumber people have read that, have said that on, uh, on like reef to reef and whatnot. Hmm. Have you ever heard that primer actually hurts it? No, but I'm I'm in the middle. I don't have well, an opinion I, either way. It softens the the material, so I guess I, there may be some lag time in how how long you leave the primer there until it really starts softening it before you actually glue it, and then maybe there's some issue with the chemical bond. I don't know. So it's possible. So back in the day, like before the colored PVC. Hmm. I used to take acetone and I would just clean because they have the red 
letters yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't want to see any of that red letters yeah, on my no pretty way. plumbing, so I would just clean that. And it, that acts as like a, a primer of sorts. And it does actually start to melt that outer layer, mm. a layer so it gives you a cleaner. So maybe I am... I was priming it. Priming the, the, the letters pipe. off. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for those of you that use white pipe, that's a good one. Uh, use acetone. You can wash off all of those little blue letters that come mm, from uh, you know Home Depot or Lowe's or whatnot. And then it looks nice and clean instead of seeing all those like uh, stuff. Also, the little barcodes that come on the fittings, you can get that off with some acetone. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good point with the primer is actually that you're, A, you are kind of melting it but also you're cleaning it. So if you are in like a dirty environment, uh, you know, it's getting all the stuff off and maybe even manufacturing oils or whatnot. But to uh, Frank's question, it's possible. I've heard that thing that, that primer can actually make a less weak connection. For our application here in reefing, I just don't think that there's any way that Probably that would that be uh, you know accurate to a degree that would matter. Yeah. Uh, it, there might be some kind of uh, scientific nerdy stuff out there that like uh, it is five percent less or more, uh, mm -hmm. you know, pressure. But that's in an, like uh, application where you have a lot of pressure. And don't think that like purple primer is the only way to go too. Yeah, There's clear, clear primer. Yeah. That's like the way to yeah. go. Purple is only for home use. Yeah, you uh, like need it. Uh, for your inspector to come and say, "Yep, you did definitely prime this." Yeah. Clear is for uh, reefers who don't want to see purple. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and for that matter, actually, the the gray uh, has a gray glue, and so people ask about Schedule 80 glue. Uh. And uh, the thing about the Schedule 80 glue is it does not need to be. It actually has some of the Schedule 80 stuff melted into it, the actual PVC. Hmm. And the only reason it looks is that for me is it looks nice because you get like a little bit of a bead of that gray. Kind of looks like it was like PVC oh, welded. Oh yeah, welded. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That'd be I, pretty cool. I talked to the plumbing people and they told me there's nothing specific about the schedule 80 that requires that glue other than it aesthetic looks, looks the same but yeah you know clear though I guess I understand better if it was white <laughs> all right Teflon tape on PVC threaded joints yes or no yes always 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 I don't know how many times I've taken apart threaded uh, threaded pieces because they started leaking and then as soon as you apply it like a two wraps of thread tape done and then there's like the blue tape the really good we got a couple different right. ones. You got wide, white, white, wide, white Teflon tape. You got the skinny Teflon tape, and then there's this blue stuff. And I know I saw it around here a second ago, but it's almost it's not Teflon. It's a lot stronger than well, Teflon. But to your point, like two to three wraps, all you need. Yeah. If you put too much, you're gonna leak. Yeah. If you don't put any, you're gonna leak. Yeah. You know, so it's it's two to three wraps so in the direction of the threads. Uh, oh yeah, definitely the threads, otherwise it just comes off. Mm -hmm. So uh, two things, uh, the Teflon tape does is, uh, one, it does fill in some gaps and stuff in the threads, but also it like uh, allows you to twist it on much farther. It's kind of like greases the whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and so it allows you to spin it in much tighter than you would normally be able to do by hand. Also allows you to get it off at a later date True. if you need to. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it, a lot of people like to use uh, the uh, threaded stuff because you can take it apart, mm -hmm. right, in theory. Uh, glue or thread? Glue. Yeah. Glue or thread? I like, I like threaded stuff because I'm in that same camp, especially like on the back of a bulkhead that's got a female thread on it where I can thread in like an adapter piece and then go PVC with glue. Uh, but if you use enough unions, then you really don't need a bunch of thread pieces. Spend money. 
by the unions. By the unions. I agree 100%. So I found that the uh, thread thing is uh, like a uh, white whale, man. Like, it, it, it looks like it exists, and then once you assemble it all, it's like, oh, well, I can't actually unscrew that because I glued it somewhere else, you know? <laughs> and so unless, like, well, hey, I could put print, uh, unions in here, and then I could get around that. Well, like, if you put their union in, you don't actually need to thread it in, right. you know, in most cases. So, like, I, I would agree at a couple of points there might be some areas, like, connecting it to the overflow on your tank, may, maybe, like, where two things co totally come together. But at the same time, which one is more likely to leak? The threaded. For sure. 100% uh, for sure the let threads are more likely to leak than the, you know, bonded, uh, glued weld. And it's not glue, by the way. It is chemically melting both of them, and they're forming to one. And at that point, that point is stronger than, uh, like, the pipe itself. If you go to try to break it, it It'll will break, break the, the pipe, pipe before mm -hmm. it will break the joint. Yes. So, uh, definitely welding is better than threads. Well, and you get nasty, like, on the threads, you get salt cream. Like, okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's gross too. That was that like, was going to be one of my next questions. Is I so if you develop a leak, if it's really slow, are you one of those in the camp that let it leak till the salt creep dries up and then it will automatically stop the leak, or actually go? My fix OCD it? would just kick in too yeah. hard. Okay, there's no way. Both. I, I, I both. If it's if it's hanging, if it's a joint hanging over the sump where it's dripping back into the sump, I'll let it go Lazy. until <laughs> until the salt creep seals it. Uh, there, I mean, I'm guilty. <laughs> I, I have I have encountered a leak on a tank, and like, oh look at the salt creep, but salt it stopped. <laughs> and like, and don't ever clean it. Yeah, fix, well, <laughs> fixing it means that I'm going to have to drain the tank and move it back out. Right, that's a major project, man. Like, just check it every once in a while. <laughs> Put a leak detector down there. I don't know, but uh, especially if it's a place where there's zero pressure, like an overflow going down. Uh. Uh, the, there's a good chance that just filling the gap with some salt creep will actually solve the problem, you know, almost permanently. Uh, if it's under pressure, where there's like pressure pushing the water out, you should probably solve it immediately because yeah. it's never gonna, that yeah. never, but very unlikely to solve. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'll get like some detritus gunk stuck in there, you know, on the way out. Let's just hope for like uh, extra detritus. <laughs> Uh, Blue Monster, that's the name of that. All thing. right, man. So, yes, definitely Teflon tape on every threaded piece. Uh, you don't need it on things that have an actual O-ring seal, like the threads on a, uh, uh, bulkhead, a bulkhead yeah. or mm -hmm. threads on a union. Yeah, yeah, you don't need it there, but threads where the two pieces are going together, you definitely do. Sure. All right. Cool. Uh, what is What hat is Jeremy wearing? Reef to Reef. Reef to Reef. Nice. Yep. I caught him at Reef to Palooza wearing a Marine Depot hat. And, uh, <laughs> and I suppose he's got to spread the love around. But I told him not that today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what else have we got? Reef to Reef hat? How, would he, how do you get a Reef to Reef hat? Uh, go talk to Rev. That's it? Yeah. Well. I shared a booth with him. I didn't even get one. I think they're like 15 bucks or whatever. So he got a, he's got a shop somewhere? Yeah. You can get Reef to Reef gear? Hmm. He was. He was selling shirts and stuff. Oh, dang it. We give he has away. little golf towels, too, I think, at those shows. Well, and the, the hats notoriously are getting better and better in our, like... That one's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I can't well, do the flat brim thing and the big, tall, you know, billboard California, trucker, we all, but... We all wear flat bills in There you California. go. See? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Randy, you are yeah. talking about your tank in the past tense. Uh, oh, do you have one now? Uh... Let's see. At home? No, I don't. And so 
I did, and I've lived all over the place because the military, you move all over the place. But uh, I had 125 that I plumbed myself in soft tubing plumbing, too. I didn't even do PVC. I didn't want to deal with it. Uh, braided nylon, which was a nightmare. And a 60-gallon tank that I plumbed in PVC. And luckily, when the ULM SPS came out of Ryan's office, uh, I got to put it in my office, which was already plumbed by a professional, Aaron, the guy who's doing all the plumbing in the lab and everything else around here. So I didn't have to touch plumbing on that one either. Aaron and I stared at that thing, man, for it's, it was like gorgeous. two days straight. I mean, like, because we had to like incorporate two return pumps, two overflows, <laughs> uh, UV. UV sterilizer, mm. man, like all this stuff in the back of it. An external skimmer. Yeah, three return, or th uh, the like uh, the synergy reef overflow yeah. into this thing, and so I mean we just stared and like built it and built it and built it and built it and built it, and now you get all our hard work. It's gorgeous. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, I don't have a tank at home either, by the way, but I will soon. So I lived in a 1908 house for the last two years, and I just had a, my son was born, like, two and a half years ago in there. And, uh, I've been dreaming about a tank, and so the problem is, is, like, you get kind of into this for a while, and then, like, well, I'm not going to set up, like, a 40-gallon breeder in my house at this point. Like, right. I want a big tank. I, like, I want to do cool, mm. bigger, badder. In an 1808 house, that means like tearing the floor out and putting steel supportive beams in and stuff. And, like, you know, my wife's like cool, like, but like I better have a really good plan for that. You know, to tear out the whole floor. I mean, we're in a, this is not a cheap thing anymore. Right. And like all electrical and stuff in a house that old too. So now I live in a brand new house. Uh, I have a walkout basement, which means I don't have to put it on the second floor because we'll actually spend time in the basement. Mm -hmm. And it can go right in the cement. New tank coming. Uh, we were debating it yesterday a little bit. Yeah, Jeremy wants to put, uh, was thinking about putting a tank in there where you have to swim in it to main, maintain the back end. Yeah. Or, or a catwalk. Know, like, yeah, so he wanted like four foot deep, and I'm like, dude, it's up against the wall. <laughs> and uh, how am I going to clean it? He's like, dude, you want it to clean it if you maintain it proper. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, really? That, <laughs> that where you're going to go? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we have them flow. But also, how many tanks around us we have to take care of at work, man? There's like... Uh, I got there's three tanks in my office. I, I think there's that 30 fun. now here, around 30 in the entire office. Between the customer service and everybody who has one at their desk, we're right around there. Right it around was 30. the thing that I took out of my walkthrough yesterday, like, yeah. man, this is run by reefers. Like, <laughs> there is nothing but reef tanks in this place. I mean, like, everybody almost gets one. So, mm -hmm. like, uh, the uh, new accountant comes in, never seen a reef tank yeah. in their whole life. Man, they like, hey, can I get a tank? Yep, here it is. You know, whatever, whatever you need. Uh, luckily, uh, we get enough like returns and stuff that you can pretty much put anything you want in it. Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, uh, there's a pile of reefing gear right. available for your pleasure. You know, so uh, yeah, man, it is. Uh, I think I, that's one of my favorite parts actually. Is you just walk around. I just I just follow you around and like pick up your crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> there's all kinds of extra stuff. Yeah, you got like a. I mean, that's probably like a two thousand dollar tank. No, I bet you more. Oh, it's like a two thousand dollars sixty cube. The, oh, the ULM SPS <laughs> in my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably yeah, more easily. actually. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, maybe it's three, four. I don't right. know. I don't even yeah. have lighting on it. It's that much. Yeah, I mean, it's got the apex in it, and the two cores, and the oh, yeah. UVs and flow meters, and, and recirculating skimmer in the front, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Probably started on your rock. You now. know, I did the I did the plumbing order for that tank actually, and after I mean, this is a sixty gallon tank, dude. It was six hundred dollars in plumbing. What? Yeah, like, uh, like, oh my gosh, man! <laughs> I'll take the crumbs. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, Me uh, too. Any, 
Any tips for new hobbyists uh, getting ready to plumb a tank? Oh, yeah, I got cool. some. I bet we all do. Yeah. Hey, you shoot. Uh, tips for new hobbyists. Uh, research. You know? Um, make sure that uh, you are giving yourself enough room. Don't, like, crowd, you know, your PVC in where you're going to be working. So make sure that the, the, the pipe is clear of all skimmers and filter socks or filter rollers and that uh, you have unions enough to where you can take stuff out and swap it if the pump goes down you know it's a pain to kind of like get it out if you're twisting it or yeah. if you have a union you can take the union and pull the pump out then you can disconnect all the male to female threads how many unions so just for those who know a union is uh you just connect two pieces of pipe and it unscrews uh so you can take it out real easy how many unions uh i don't know it depends on the application it would be very like subjective the answer is as many as you can put man uh because like you'll never ever ever like wonder like oh i wish i never put all those unions in right, right? but you will at some point say damn it i wish i put those unions in. <laughs> well from uh, experience too like if you're having to cut out a pump you go in underneath a tank and you're cutting pvc mm -hmm. to get a pump out because it failed like you just you learn I'm never doing that again. Mm. Like so, let's just spend the money on the unions. I mean, tip for me then, uh, closely related to that one, is if you're doing an elbow, right? So you're gonna have to get all of these. Like, if you're doing PVC, hard PVC, you're gonna have to get all of these angles like perfect, and it's hard, man. And so the first thing you got to do is dry fit the whole thing together, mm -hmm. and you got to go take a marker on the fitting and the pipe, and so that you know exactly the right angle to get to it. And like you better have done all of them perfect or all of a sudden it's hard glued together and like where your drain comes out in your pipe is like a half inch off, man. And if you try to like push it in there, you're going to you know, produce leaks and pressure on both the tank and the sump uh, where they connect, right? Which is no good on the glass. Right. So what I found is almost anywhere I'm going to use an elbow, you know, it's almost best just to put a union underneath it because a union can swivel. So I no longer need to eye, uh, eye up the two little you know lines that I made. Oh, yeah. I can put the union in and I can just swivel the thing and turn it to whatever angle. So almost any angle that I put on the thing, I'll put a union because it allows me to disassemble and assemble it, you know, with a lot less care uh, or not care, but like a lot more less you know precise perfection. And this, if this is your first one, like you're talking here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that most people are not going to get this right. So, like, you can get it right by allowing yourself the flexibility to be able to adjust it. And I think I've said this in a few videos. First project, no unions because I'm cheap. Second project, uh, unions because I understand that being cheap was stupid. Third project, <laughs> unions everywhere they can possibly go because I want to not only be able to take it apart, you know, to clean it or something gets clogged in there or whatnot, but someday I'm gonna want a different sump and stuff. And like, you know, like, hey man, I want a refugium now. And my sump didn't allow for a refugium. Mm. Now I need to like reconfigure the plumbing. And the fact that I can take it off everywhere will allow me to like redo the whole thing without cutting all of it apart. And it just gives me a lot of flexibility. So unions everywhere. And, and draw it out, like your sump, draw it out so yeah. that you know, you know, um, and sometimes people think like, okay, well a 90 is gonna get me to the back of the tank, right? But sometimes like a 90 and a 45, just thinking about it, like going straight out of a pump and going straight back to the go, 
like maybe like go up with a, a 90 but with a 45 so you kick it out to the side so you still have access to your mm -hmm. song so just thinking about plumbing in a way that's like you know I think that 90s and 45s together are way better than a 90 and a 90 to make a, yeah. a turn and so if you just kick it up with like a 90 and then you have a 45 you've got all that room in the back so like even with your drains and stuff like that there's no there's there's nothing in like a our size tanks you know if you're in a public aquarium mm -hmm. you're going to be thinking about hydraulics a little bit more than like what we do but like um, having drains like you know snake around you don't have to worry about yeah. it as much for me i don't know for me uh there's a couple things one uh practice like practice cutting one and gluing a piece together and getting the feel for like turning that corner like this is one you're probably not going to use on the tank but I can go buy a cheap fitting from the, I can buy like a, a couple 50 cent fittings and a piece of PVC from the hardware store and like actually practice my hand at the primer, practice my hand at the glue, how it feels to uh, push the thing in. Uh, so and do a little practice piece so that don't practice on your final project uh, if, if you had never glued a PVC before. And then your point about like dry fitting, dry fitting, uh, uh, really cool, you know, you should definitely do it after you draw it out and then dry fit. Then when you get the glue and stuff in there, uh, like your dry fit's not the perfect measurement. You're gonna have more leeway when you get the glue in. So don't cut, like, don't think that your dry fit's gonna be the exact measurement. Now I'm gonna have to glue and everything's lined up perfectly. Because when you start gluing it and snaking the glue together, you're gonna end up short. Uh, you have to account for the a little bit of leeway that your PVC piece is gonna go into the elbow. Uh, and then there's like a, I mean, for most like Schedule 80 and Schedule 40, there's like, a, they say like a thumb or so, like you should account for how far the pipe goes in. But there's measurements and stuff. You like should stick a ruler it. in there. Man. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> interesting too, because like if it's an inch and a quarter, the recess mm -hmm. of the female portion, so you measure from two points, you know, and you go, okay, well I got an inch and a quarter on this side, an inch and a quarter on that side. I'm gonna add those two. Yeah never works out because the glue <laughs> will push it out you know like uh it won't stay all the way seated and then you're you're wrong so yeah. i take man now a lot of times uh push it in there and then i'll hit it with a rubber mallet man get it all the way in there and hold it if you hold it for 10 seconds it'll stay yeah so i want to get around the like mystery amount that it squirts out or doesn't go all the way in get it in there yeah. <laughs> like uh rubber mallet all the way in there and get it all all where i need it so i'll just share two other tips i like your 45 thing uh we use it a lot with two instead of one uh, uh 90 two 45s and then it allows you to do angles that you would just like never be able to do mm -hmm. with a 45 so 45 just here this can kind of go anywhere especially if you put two 45s on the other ang other side and you can kind of snake around things like should probably. I wish we could pull up the, the the ULM tank maybe, but that one had so many double forty fives in it because right. it's the only way to like kind of snake around all <laughs> things that we needed to snake around. The other piece, just despite what you said, if you're new, I would absolutely buy the dollars worth of sandpaper and scrape the edges off from where you cut, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing it with a, a hacksaw. Because uh, it leaves all these little ridges on there, and when you squirt it in there, it will create a channel in the glue. And yes, you should twist it, and hopefully it'll go away. But uh, 
I mean, it's literally a buck and maybe uh, 10 seconds of effort on the end. Uh, I would do it myself. Good advice. You know, I would also say, like, if it's your first time plumbing a tank ever or plumbing anything, try soft plumbing. Like, mm -hmm. plumb a tank soft. See what it's like. Uh, that's easy because you can get the barbed fittings. Uh, you can get step-down barbed fittings. You can get, you know, elbows in 45 that are just barbed. You can get clamps for them all. And then nylon, uh, braided nylon is you can buy these, you know, the long runs. You can run it through hot water to straighten it out. You can like heat it with a heat gun or the hair dryer to straighten it out. Uh, but you can definitely do soft plumbing all day. Yeah, I like a hybrid uh, actually. So we've done hybrid a bunch on a bunch of different tanks. I think uh, on the how to start a saltwater tank series we did hybrid uh, at like towards the end. And uh, uh, what that looks like is I like to hard plumb to the sump, hard plumb to the tank, bulkhead fitting coming out union. And then out of the union, I'll glue in a barbed uh, spigot to barb fitting, mm -hmm. and then take the soft tubing down to where I need it. Now, measuring that kind of tubing is super easy, yeah. right? And it goes on to the barbs. And you might think, uh, hey, barbs, I don't need a union anymore because I can wiggle it off. No, man, don't no. do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to create leaks and stuff over time doing that. Definitely put a union so you can kind of take off the whole piece together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for the most part, I would say soft tubing is pretty good. I would. Over a long enough timeline, you're probably going to start to see a little bit of salt creep coming out of them, and it may be time to put new clamps on or change the pipe every five years or whatnot. Do you sell both bar or the braided and regular mm -hmm. vinyl? So black and braided. Yeah. We don't sell the regular because that's stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then silicone. I'm sure why would that be no, done. I was just oh, curious. Silicone is so expensive too. Like, oh, we silicone. do have silicone, but like to plumb your tank an entire city. I mean, you get more flexibility out of it. Yeah, it's like what twenty bucks a foot or something. Whew. Yeah. So here's the thing about the tubing. When you're going to use a soft tubing. It has to be rigid for the drains because you can't kink. If it kinks, you're gonna flood your floor. Mm. So it cannot kink. We do uh, sell braided uh, nylon. Braided nylon is a good place where you know it's not gonna get any light. Uh, if it gets any light back there, then yeah. you wanna use the black. Because we don't wanna grow algae in there and whatnot, which will clog. Uh, not only could it, I mean, unlikely to clog the whole thing, more likely to like grow stuff and then it releases and clogs somewhere else, you know. Mm. Mold, yeah, just, you don't want any light in there. So black is probably better in, in most cases than the braided nylon, but it needs to be sturdy. It needs to be strong and uh, difficult to kink. The uh, silicone, however, this is specific to the AC pumps, is if you got silicone going from your pump all the way up, you can take it to wherever you want, but the silicone removes that vibration between the pump and your plumbing. Mm -hmm. So it is much, much quieter. And eight, DC pumps are now like so quiet, you don't even hear they're on. Right. But if you're running a cheaper AC pump, uh, then a little bit of uh, silicone will silence it. It looks cool if you take it all the way up, but really all you need to do is uh, take it to wherever. Like sometimes what we'll do is uh, put a bulkhead in the sump put the pump into the uh, uh, bulkhead on the sump so it has that, that uh, I guess, anti-vibration effect and then we'll hard plumb or soft plumb off of that bulkhead back up to the tank. Mm -hmm. I like to have firm places where things belong. Uh, I think Terrence uh, said to me, man, uh, a uh, clean looking uh, tank, man, is a safe tank, mm -hmm. right? And he's just right. If it's uh, the wiring looks clean, the plumbing looks clean, it is almost certainly it's a sign that somebody cared about what they're doing and it drastically increases the chance you did it right. Right. All right. I agree. <laughs> uh, next question. Cool. Oh, man, they're coming in. There's tons of them. Where yeah. are we at? Uh, 
What's the most obvious advantage of knowing how to cut PVC pipes for marine systems? Most obvious advantage for knowing how to cut pipes. What that mean? Uh, obvious advantage for just using Big hard. Uh, so hard plumbing in general, I would say the biggest advantage to me is it looks cool because uh, it's it's not necessary, uh, but it's also safer, right? Like it's not going to kink, it's not going to leak. Right. I mean, you do right. Well, then you have all those tubes everywhere. Like, I mean, it it probably helps with flow characteristics, but it still, it gets in the way because you're having a piece of, you know, tubing going over where if you plumb it out of the way, mm -hmm. you can get all the plumbing out of the way so you still have access to your full sump. That was a good point actually about the, the flow characteristics because if you have a small like arc that kind of goes up to the tank, you're actually going to have way less head pressure loss than a bunch of elbows and whatnot. Uh, but you're also right that like just it's a mess. Of, like, yeah, you know, last thing you want to do is like, move some some tubing out of the way to get to your skimmer cup or you gotta get in there to clean some detritus out of your sump and then you got all this plumbing in your way getting it out of the way of the sump so that it, it gets to where it needs to go without as much um, interference is probably the for me would be the number one thing yeah. when you're planning out your sump like take that into consideration because you can't redo it That's you can but it's a pain I'd say also this is kind of like just like any hobby, you know? So the first one you do, I just need it to work, right? I, I set up a tank, I just need it to work. The right. soft tubing gets me there, it's easy. Uh, second take, actually it's a little bit more, not just function, the form and function start to come into play. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you were like into uh, like, uh, you know, tricking out your car or whatever, first one when you're like uh, 16, man, is I want the car to go fast. Right. right? <laughs> uh, then uh, later on in life, man, I want it to open up the hood and have it look fast. You right. know, mm -hmm. uh, and so things just kind of evolve. So as part of the hobby, for a lot of people, not everyone, but when you build it, it's not just uh, the function, but like I want to open up the cabinet, I want to go to the fish room, and I want it to look as cool as the tank itself looks. Right. That's part of the hobby. Right, it's like back to your car analogy, you know, the engines now, you lift it up, you don't see any wires, mm -hmm. everything's got covers on it, and you don't see anything, like, that's the goal. Like, you just open up your cabinets and all your equipment's right there to be accessed. Mm -hmm. Yep, fair right enough. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, when plumbing, can you have too many 90 degree elbows in your system? Uh, well, so every 90 is going to reduce the head pressure, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. no too many, is there? I mean. I don't think in like the flow characteristics, like especially with what you've been talking about with flow, like so 3x or 5x, like with the variable pumps now, like mm -hmm. it doesn't really come into play. Yeah. Um, before, if you used to go back, oh, I need 10 times out of this return pump, you're sitting there making sure you get a really big pump, and then all those 90s cutting it down, you know, you, you wasted all that money on that 10x. Mm. When and you considered it as part of the flow. Right. Yeah. So that's the only reason you'd consider like is 290s too much is like, you know, hydraulics or flow characteristics of, of what this is going to do to the, the equipment output. Hmm. But, and what we're doing, I don't think no. too, so too many. For those who don't know, like uh, we used to, or like everybody used to uh, suggest like 10x turnover. Yeah, 7 to 10. Yeah, and that was like from a, an era where that was part of the flow in the tank, right? Mm -hmm. And now with power heads, like there's just so many cheaper, way better ways to add flow to the tank. 
now it all is is about getting water to the filtration and getting uh, heating, the, heating the water yeah. and in that environment man like it, two, two times two is probably okay five is probably overkill yeah you know and at that point when we're talking about so little flow the elbows and stuff just don't seem to matter as much because the difference here is so so little in the amount of cost of the pump you know like I could worry about all these elbows or I could spend 15 bucks extra on the pump and just not worry about it. Right. Right. Uh, right. Right on, man. Next one. Is there a way to unkink black vital tubing? The overflow drain is starting to kink and in preventing it with a clamp. Mm. Is there a way? While it's already on there? Let me cut it out and redo it. Boom. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I would do one of two things, man. Uh, I would either cut it out and redo it, or I'd cut out the part that mattered, and I'd, uh, I'd put uh, barb fittings the in there too, like an elbow mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, what. They do have a, a union straight, just like a straight union type fitting for barb oh. too, where you just barb to barb straight in. So it might help straighten it out, but. Yeah, so if I'm gonna make a tight curve where it's likely to kink, uh, yeah. they also sell a an elbow barb to barb. Yeah, okay. yeah. I would make it that way so they solve your problem permanently. Yeah. Uh, right. But if you try to unkink it with uh, uh, using uh, barb clamps to hold it open, um, that will work for a moment, and then one day you will say, "Damn it! I should have never done that because water's all over my floor, and this is just not worth." what I thought I was trying to save. So don't do that, man. Uh, go ahead and just replace it. It's not gonna cost a lot. You could, you know, 10 bucks, I bet you can solve your problem. <clears throat> All right, next. Uh, Jeremy, could you explain the difference between Microvector 7 and Microvector Clean? All right. Yeah, right so, on. Let's get into some Brightwell <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Uh, oh, Greg oh, oh, All right, right on. He's gonna make us give away an Apex or something. <laughs> So yeah, so Microbacter 7 is uh, basically our, our bacteria has seven different strains. So it's going to have aerobic and uh, anaerobic bacteria in there that's going to do everything that you need. So it's our all-in-one, if you will. Um, it, and Microbacter Clean does exactly what it says it's going to do. It's mostly scavenger bacteria, so it's going to clean up detritus, it's going to clean up mulm that grows in your sump and on your fittings. And it's going to clean up the aquarium, especially if your husbandry has been laxed a little bit. Um, obviously, the best scenario is get in there and clean up your tank. Yeah. But if you need a little bit of help, Mike, uh, Microbacter Clean is the way to go. And actually, Greg has a, you know, he's got one of his friends um, in the club in Southern California that just uh, has reset his system, and it was really dirty. We sent him some Microbacter Clean. And it, he was like, wow, this stuff huh. is amazing. I got, Greg sent me some videos, so it, uh, it works. You know, it's funny, like those types of things for me have sometimes had that kind of same wow look, and then I'm gonna try the same thing on another tank, and it doesn't. Like, uh, we used a competitor product once, and it literally like wiped out all the cyano and everything in the tank, and we're like, this thing was sent from God, man. Right. <laughs> and I tried it in another tank, and so it's a little bit more complex than always works, doesn't always work, there's mm -hmm. like, you know, always like a little, you know, like warfare that's going on in the tank, and you never know what's really going to win. Right. But I, I, what I think about it is cool. So the WWC guys uses uh, the Microbacter Seven on mm -hmm. all their new tanks, and so 
you know, some people have these like super, super fast acting, uh, like uh, tank cycles, it's only looking at ammonia. Mm-hmm. And like you said, your stuff is like looking at not just processing ammonia, but all the scavenging bacteria and like really getting a tank ready for, you know, the long a term. new tank. Yeah. yeah. Not just processing ammonia, which is like one of the, that element's going to come almost no matter what, mm-hmm. right? So, right. like, uh, and maybe the other things too, but we're going to make them happen faster. Right. right? <clears throat> So, So, yeah, so like uh, in our theory, like if we were to produce, so starter bacteria, the ones that work really well are typically live and they are susceptible to temperature. Right. So extreme colds below freezing, dead. Yeah. Uh, Anything over 80 degrees, dead. So when we look at it, we're like, okay, it's a lot of risk. You know, it's sitting in a warehouse or it's in transit somewhere. It just runs the risk of it not doing what it says it's going to do as far as the efficacy. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is we try to give you a really potent product um, to not only cycle your aquarium in a you know normal, like what we consider normal, like within 30 days, yeah. com- be completely through the nitrogen cycle. And then at the end of that, we put other bacteria in there that's going to help you through that ugly stage. And so I think that's the one thing that makes us a little bit different than some of the others. And a lot of people try to compare us to those other bacteria. And I... I mean, I've had this conversation with numerous people, just like, don't even compare us. Like, we're not even in the same ballpark. So my experience on that was when I entered the hobby, BioSpira was the one, right? And there had to be in a cooler to work, and because of that, you shouldn't buy it online and all this stuff, buy it in the fish store and whatnot. Uh, and it definitely worked. You know, as a person now that has, like, worked on the other side of this thing, the industry, like... Uh, it didn't mysteriously pop up at the fish store on its own, right? It had to travel, you know, across the country in the winter to mm-hmm. get to New York or Minnesota right. or Montana or whatever. And it's sitting on the back of a semi, man, uh, for uh, five days. It's going to freeze. Yeah. And so, like, even though it looks like it's in your fish store, it's just fine. Uh, so, you know, getting something that, you know, especially, like, the freeze is one thing also, but over 80 degrees... In the summer, man, those trucks are sweltering. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, so like, uh, you know, having like a product like yours that allows uh, for a wider range of temperatures is, you know, maybe not as fast acting, but will actually work when you use it. Not just if I got this miraculous uh, bottle that the you know manufacturer sent me one day right. uh, for testing, right? Right. Uh, overnighted it in a cooler. Yeah, yeah a very different scenario. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting, too. And, uh, you know, so now all the most popular ones are not refrigerated. And so that's how you'd know uh, which one of these two you're getting uh, beyond, like, more research. If it has to be refrigerated, it's volatile uh, and may or may not. I, I would buy it in mild months of the year. Mm. Uh, if it doesn't have to be refrigerated, it is the types of bacteria that are more dormant and are less susceptible to bacteria. Yeah. Is there any uh, is there any reason you'd use like the Microbacter Seven outside of just setting up a new tank? Well, I mean, Microbacter Seven got its name for that, yeah. not so much cycling aquariums, right. but actually running into like uh, diatom blooms or cyanobacteria blooms or something mm-hmm. like that, and uh, it works really well at, at cleaning up because it has some of the same bacteria that the Microbacter Clean just in lower forms oh, okay so like when we make the microbacter cl- clean it's really aggressive mm. so if you think about it it's like um it's not as complete 
Microbacter Clean is not as complete as Microbacter 7 as far as like the population of bacteria. Yeah. But as far as like those ones that are workers, you know, like scavengers, yeah. it's way elevated. Okay. So it's gonna it's gonna be like a kicked up version of uh, Microbacter 7 for cleaning hmm. up an aquarium. I think, man, uh, this is kind of a, a relatively new thing for uh, reefers, like to think of uh, bacteria as a solution for really anything. Mm -hmm. They just really thought about it as a cycle in a tank. And like it's still a little bit of a mystery to a lot of reefers. So I bet you five years from now, as things progress, this will be like a part of staple of how you maintain certain elements of your tank. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun to watch that how that goes out. All right, let's just, uh, we got uh, about 13 more minutes, right? We're going to go to 11.30? Yeah, and right. more people are asking about Brightwell stuff. Oh, plumbing, so. oh, all right, let's ask some Brightwell stuff then, man. Go shoot for it. Uh, got here. There's a few of them here. Um, nope, that was plumbing. Ah, here. Can Jeremy explain how NeoZeo works differently from other zeolites? Uh, it works very sim the same. Yeah, they look it, the same to me. They're, they're <laughs> the same, so Zeo works just the same way as the other zeolites. Cool. Yeah. That was easy. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. Should one turn off skimmers and filtration when dosing Microbacter 7? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's common along all of the, a lot of the bacterial ones is like, dose this to your tank, shut off your skimmer, shut off filtration type stuff. But dose this to your tank, and then maybe 24 hours, 48 hours, turn it all back on. Right. To give the bacteria, is that more to give the bacteria a chance to, like, go to the surfaces, populate well, the... Well, if you're treating, like, anything in the aquarium, yeah. you should always shut down your skimmer. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're dosing, like, you know, like calcium or something like that, you don't need to do that. But yeah. anything that's, like, chelated or preserved or bacteria, mm -hmm. like, always shut down your skimmer so it gives the... Uh, inhabitants time to like ha come in contact with that yeah so we got some bryopsis in the 160 over here and we're gonna put some fluconazole in it and uh, I'll probably share that experience with you uh, a little bit later but like uh, uh, in that experience too we're gonna turn off the skimmer and make sure that it's not removing the medication and we're also like gonna remove carbon and so some of that stuff like you know, you're not always sure what the skimmer or what the carbon's going to remove, but like just knee jerk, turn off some of the important things that are really effective at removing uh, uh, various elements from the tank. Just turn them off by knee jerk uh, in most cases. Uh, all right, man, what else we got here? Uh, what are your thoughts on the PTFT or uh, FE paste? So that is like instead of oh, tape, you, yeah. can, you can paste it. Leakers. Uh, Leakers? Yeah. It's like it would be like adding like. For me, I mean, it works the same way as it's just a liquid Teflon. Yeah. Right. But it's the same as like, uh, like, um, if you were to use silicone, right? You're gonna get a seal. But then what happens is if anything tweaks that, like you move the pump, oh, it's gonna sense. break that seal, and then that water's gonna find its way through the thread. So mm. I'm not a huge. But I mean, you will have that to a certain extent with tape. Tape. Yeah. But not to the same extent with, in my personal opinion. With yeah. The, I think uh, Neptune for the flow meters. They they uh, specifically say like you should use that that pasty type stuff. No, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Now. Uh, it, uh, you, you could. The one thing that paste does that tape doesn't do is it gives you the ability to um, make sure that you put it all the way on there without running the risk of putting. If you put too much tape on, especially something like that flow oh, sensor, yeah. and you over tighten it, you could crack that housing. Oh yeah, and then like. Those are, I don't know. Those, those are, are too expensive yeah. to crack. So maybe, maybe that's why, you know, they, they recommend that. But 
Neptune. I've actually I've done that before. I've cracked bulkheads by spinning them in too far. That yeah. Way. Oh, yeah. Uh, tapered fittings. Easily. Uh, all right. Any tips for noise reduction on noisy plumbing? Uh, so normally it's two things, right? It's either air going down the plumbing or vibrations from the pump going up, right? right. So pump going up, silicone. Uh, try to get some kind of uh, anti-dampening or vibration dampening in between the pipe and your pump. It's a mm -hmm. little piece of, you don't need more than six inches of uh, silicone tubing and some barb fittings, you can make that happen. Going down, uh, the air is what makes all the noise. Air is the biggest thing. Yeah. So everyone now uh, has shifted away from your like Dursos and stuff that limit the amount of air and eliminates the air with using a, a gate valve or a ball valve mm -hmm. uh, going down to a, a create a full siphon so it doesn't take any air and then having like an emergency ba uh, backup in case that siphon gets clogged. I was just talking to somebody about this, about quieting their uh, their return or their uh, drain line. And they just said, for the life of me, I can't get this thing to like stop siphon or to get a full siphon. I, I keep getting, it won't, the force of water coming down because you got your, your drain pipe down submerged into the sump. And they said the force of the water is just not forcing the air out. And it's a, just take a little bit of airline and shove it up in there, and then suck all the air out with your with a lift pump or something, mm -hmm. or maybe it'll it, just happen over time too. It, eventually, yeah. Uh, so I got a good one on uh, uh, this type of full siphon ball valve, gate valve. Uh, I like ball valves for anything that has to do with like uh, if you want to remove something. So like uh, if you have your pump coming out and you have a union on that pump, have a ball valve there so that you can cut the water coming from the tank back into the sump mm. just makes everything so much easier. But if you're controlling, if you're trying to control water precisely, yeah. gate valve. Same thing, all day. Well, I know, because you, th well, you, these true, uh, the CPEX ball valves are oh. pretty smooth at, at yeah. fine tuning and stuff. Four. So like the gate valve, I can. This is my problem. Uh, and my problem is I don't like either one. <laughs> so uh, so my problem with the gate valve is the gate valve works really good at being super precise, mm -hmm. right? And so I can tune it and get the exact amount with just a tiny little tunes, right? However, every time I go up to it, I forget which way is opening it and shutting it based on the orientation of it. And if I go too far a little way one way, I have no visual representation of like how far open or closed it is, and I just end up messing with it, and it just drives me insane. Righty tighty, lefty loosey. I know, but like in every I don't know, my brain just doesn't work that way when it's like upside down or whatnot, and it should. But like, I, I, if I go too far, like say I want to open it wide open for some reason, that just takes forever to find that sweet spot that it was at because it just kind of ebbs and flows with the tank, mm -hmm. right? Whereas with a gate valve. Uh, the lever gives me a visual representation of how open the valve is. Mm -hmm. okay. It's a little tweaky though. Like it is, it it you're gonna tweak it in a different way. It's a little right. harder to adjust. Uh, the gate valves also come with uh, unions on both sides in most cases, right? <sighs> I mean, they're tearing you up in the comments for righty tighty lefty loosey. I, I know, man. Fan, just, fan even chimed in at uh, title cards. Uh, funny. I know. I just, I just like, I don't know, man. I just say get on there, and I'm like, I don't know. I screw it up, and uh, I just, I don't know. I always mess it up. Maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know. No, but, no, no. Uh, you know, so I, I like the visual representation. That's I like true. to be able to see how open this thing is, and I will visually remember, like, if I need, ever need to open or close this thing all the way. 
I will visually remember exactly where it needs to go. Be really close. So yes, the they'll actually remember it too because those the oh. nylon inside that that yep. actually creates the turn. Oh, yeah. Like it'll remember. It'll have like a memory that nylon will. So like once you have it at a certain thing and you open it up or you close it. Like it'll almost automatically go right back to that same mm. spot. It could be like mulm and other stuff in there. But yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. ball valves do the same thing where if I've had it at a forty-five, all and then all of a sudden I close it off. I mean, it won't go all the way open. It'll go right back to that forty-five. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. so uh, right answer is definitely gate valve in this case. Uh, I am the oddball, uh, and it's still like if I if I put the gate valve in, uh, often I'll say, man, I should have put the stupid or the ball valve in. I should have put the gate valve in. Uh, I I don't like either one. Uh, so uh, I guess it kind of depends also like how easy it is to reach and see where you're at. Uh, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, on Facebook, uh, I don't have it pulled up here, but Robert Cray was asking, mm. could you explain the NO3 how the NO3 brick works mm. and uh, how much nitrate would a single brick remove in a 210 gallon? So two different things. We have a bio yeah. brick and we have a nitrate brick. Right. The nitrate brick is impregnated or we call it doped yeah. with elemental sulfur. Um, and that elemental sulfur is like, uh, d it depends on how much nitrate is in the aquarium, but uh, batch by batch, it's going to give you X amount of nitrate reduction. Mm -hmm. And off the top of my head, I really can't tell you exactly how much there is in there that's going to remove the nitrate. Right. Just straightforward like I'd have to go research that part of it but the way that the bricks work is like um, they're ceramic material mm -hmm. and um, we've we've been doing this for a long time like the, the owner of the company has been doing this this type of material for a long time and so we did the first rocking thing right yeah so uh, we uh, we owned a company uh, by the name of Cellpore back in the 90s which was the first one of its kind and that material was really problematic because it had silicates in it. And, oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, it was great at biological filtration, but it, you'd have to get past, like, these silicates and stuff like that. And back then, like, natural gas was really expensive, so we'd fire in kilns of, like, 1,400 degrees Kelvin. And so it took a lot. It was expensive to process to make. So um, the PhD that actually came up with this and the guy that's been doing this for us. Yeah. He uh, has perfected a, a way of doing it in a normal oven, like uh, at 400 degrees or 450 degrees. And he uses a chemical hardener in there. Okay. Um, that chemical hardener also helps give us more porosity than we were able to get at baking it at such a high temperature. And it allows us to put things in there like uh, the elemental sulfur and uh, like even in the PO4 cubes, yeah. it's like um, GFO type GFO, stuff? Yeah. oxide. So, um, you know. That's a cool thing. I, I, actually, so the first time I asked him about it, like, I, like, I saw like GFO in there, and I'm like, that's just going to yeah. get depleted. That's dumb. You know, <laughs> I don't understand. And so then I asked you about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, it absolutely gets depleted. You have to replace them sometimes. It's just an alternative to having to run that reactor in your tank. Right. And I'm like, oh. With the added benefit of yeah, more to, surface area. I don't have to tumble it. All the little iron fines aren't getting into the tank. Mm. And occasionally when my PO, PO4 or my phosphate starts to rise, I just change out my little cubes. Well, I get it. No. Uh, I, I just uh, I didn't see the whole thing. Same thing with the elemental sulfur. Eventually it's going to run out, yeah, right? it's going to exhaust, and so you just trade it out. Mm -hmm. But by that time, especially in, like, the brick, the middle of that brick is going to go anaerobic and it's going to start doing 
denitrification, you know, on its own. Probably so it's almost like out. a it gives you a leg up as you're starting, you know, to build the bacteria bed inside that mm -hmm. brick. You know, the elemental sulfur will give you like a little bit of a buffer with nitrate reduction. So the uh, answer to one of the questions is how long will it last? Well, when your nitrates start to go up, change out your brick. Uh, you know, because there isn't a, a total answer to how much you feed. If you feed two cubes of food, uh, it'll probably last about half as long as somebody who feeds one. And uh, if you feed five cubes of food, it'll last about a fifth as long, right? Yeah. So uh, there's no real answer to that. It's like a sponge; it's only going to absorb so much. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you bring up the the process for the baking and the the chemical process because we still get this question all the time. Like, right. Is uh, you know, marine pier crumbles like crazy, or these other ceramic media crumbles like crazy. And I, I've had Brightwell that done this, that has done the same thing. And I think my go-to answer is something you told us is like there was a time where there, uh, a couple times where some of the Brightwell stuff might have gone uh, crumbly, but it's been a long time. And we have like six months, I think, four months, five, five or six months. These bricks in our 750XXL. They're bulletproof now. Yeah, people, people <laughs> got... That was not probably a fun experience. We're not going to have that problem ever again. <laughs> See? Yeah. 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 I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, like, answer to the questions. And it was, like, at one time two years ago, it was, like, almost, like, painful because mm -hmm. it was the one thing that people walked up. And so, blanketly, we just, like, you have a problem? Here's a new brick. Sorry. Perfect. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's cool. Like, personally. Yeah. And, and to that the nature of that material in itself, like when you have that much porosity, mm -hmm. I mean, they weigh nothing, right? You, you pick them up, you think it's gonna be dense and it's not, yeah. you know, it's like air. Mm -hmm. um, just the, I mean, styrofoam, anything that is like that, that, that is going to give you that porosity, it's gonna break down mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So we've worked really hard at making sure that that hardness matters, you know, that, that they, they hold up yeah. and they stay together. So open and honest, you know, I see a lot of new things or things and it's like, oh, that looks like a Me Too product, you know, like, uh, you know, we've been talking about Marine Pier for ages, you know, like, oh, now there's a new brick. Great. Like, uh, but in reality, man, using it, like you can touch it. It's twice as hard mm -hmm. as the, the stuff they were using before. Uh, and, you know, it has kind of cool little things like the dimples and stuff in it. It allows water to go all around it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, like, at this point for me, it's the one I'm going to use just for the fact that it's harder, which means, like, when I, you know, put it into the tank and it touches other stuff or a pump goes against it, like, it's not as likely to deteriorate. Yeah, and it's not meant to be handled. Like, it's meant to be put in there in a place that you're not going to constantly be moving it. So... I mean, notoriously, you, you probably should. Uh, any pore that gets clogged with detritus or anything like that is a dead pore. So mm -hmm. cleaning it periodically, but it's not something that you have to do. I'm, I'm talking like maybe once a year. Yeah. You know, get in there and like shake, make sure, them out. Yeah, shake it out mm -hmm. or something like that. So. Yeah, one of the things actually is uh, I know some of them that you guys sell, you don't sell the little balls, do you? We don't sell the balls, but we, yeah. we, we have cubes, cubes that are around the same size. Okay. So one of the uses people have talked about and even I've talked about is replacing like bio balls with these little balls. And I, I'm going to retract that statement because uh, having water flushing on top of these things 24 hours a day is just a bad idea. Mm -hmm. uh, like it doesn't matter w which one it is. It's water is going to erode the things mm. over time so i wouldn't use them for that application and you know talking to josh over at wwc when we were talking about which ones we wanted to use for the uh xxl 750 out front 
he says, I want to use something that's super easy to clean. So when I want to clean the sump, I can take the four things out. We wanted to use like live rock down there or, oh, or yeah. rubble. And he's like, absolutely of, not, yeah. man. I've seen tons and tons of tanks that use live rock or rubble or whatever. And he's like, you can't clean it. No. Yeah. The tank, the sump should be as clean as the tank. Like it, it is a component of the tank. It should be as clean if you want to achieve the same results. And so now, you know, there's six bricks in there. And you know what? It's just super easy to move those bricks over, clean the thing out mm -hmm. when you need to, and put them back in place. So uh, that is a big piece to me. Like using all kinds of little, the little squares and balls and stuff, you're going to have to clean around them. Uh, theoretically, there might be a little bit more exposed uh, area or whatnot with those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really like the benefit of being able to just move the bricks around. For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, man, we went over, so uh, it's been 11.30. This is our first time. You are our first guest on uh, Spears <laughs> TV uh, Live or whatever we call it. We tried with Terrence on Monday. Uh, he, we, people saw a glimpse of him but couldn't hear him, so we had to let him go. But so That was Skype, though, they, wasn't it? Terrence, yeah, it was Skype. Terrence, you should come up here and do a meat raffle. Yes, life Terrence. changing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> the people here. I mean, we gave away $1,600 in meat to the staff last night. Everybody had a blast. Uh, was, you can see it, it on our good. Facebook it was and so stuff. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just for you to know, like we have like little tickets. Like one of them, you just win the thing. The other one, you get to like trade meat with somebody else. You know, or more or less steal it actually. Right. Like, so there's like a hundred dollar prime rib floating around. Somebody's trying to get hot dogs. Trade like eight, nine times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, actually, uh, I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, so uh, after Black Friday, Jeremy bought the whole staff here lunch and. I've had people here buy stat, uh, the uh, like pizzas and stuff for the marketing team or customer service. Where he's like, no man, I want to buy for everybody. There's a hundred people here, uh, yeah. and so I just thought that was super nice. And his response was, man, like, hey, dude, there's people in the back, man, that are putting a lot of effort into making sure that the you know Brightwell products are getting in the box and people care for them. And like everybody along the whole thing, man, deserves a respect from. You know, the first call that you get about, you know, hopefully he's thinking about one of his products, but really I think about the whole thing. Right. You know, but on his products, man, like somebody's caring about it from the phone call to the shipment to uh, if there is an issue, you know, solving it for you. And uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing. And then after that, like, you started a trend. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, all these vendors were doing the same thing for uh -huh. the whole staff. So uh, if you're a vendor and you're watching this, Meat Raffle is the best way to go. <laughs> hashtag, Come on down. Hashtag BS, BRS uh, Meat BRS Raffle. Meat uh, raffle. <laughs> I mean, I'm buying you drinks next time if you start Meat Raffle trend here. So, All right, well, thank you guys all very much. Uh, thank you for coming and uh, having yeah, a good time yeah. with us. And uh, hopefully you'll come again soon. Hopefully in my basement and you'll... Like, take the plumbing challenge. I'm, I'm no sandpaper, no primer, done. no tears for me. Yeah. Uh, I won't even watch. I can't watch. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. All right. See you guys next week. See you guys. Actually, we're releasing the video. Minutes. Yeah. Hey, man, this is like, I watched this one after we were done, and I thought, man, this is like accumulation of so much knowledge from WWC, actually a billion conversations with you two. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like this is almost gonna be a prerequisite for starting a, a, a SPS tank. If you never really thought about it before, you don't have to do it the exact way, but there's so many little tidbits in this one yeah. that come together. Watch it, man, and you will be better off. The information, like if, if I was starting a reef tank, Acro tank yeah. in 96 or 97 when acros were getting popular. Yeah. If this material was there for me, I would have saved so much coral, so much headaches, so much. <laughs>
I, I just, I mean, like, I was just watching it and like, you know, 24 minutes of this stuff, just like little tidbit after tidbit after tidbit of like, oh man, like, I don't have to learn this the hard way. Yeah, the 19 episodes prior to this oh, one. Oh yeah, and then you don't have to watch, you can watch 24 minutes, you can get all of the, like, endless jargon that I had from all the other episodes. Right. So, uh, you can go back and refer to it if you want, but, like, uh, we, we just nailed it down into little tidbits, so, uh, in about 30 minutes, man, watch, uh, and let us know what you think. Reef to Reef already got a preview of it, it's out there. Oh, is but it in existence? It's, it's out there in, a, in Reef to Reef, but if you're not a Reef to Reef follower, it'll be on YouTube in about 30 minutes. Alright, awesome. See you guys. See you guys.